0: church how we doing this morning great to see you all are you all awake you seem pretty somber here this morning i need to wake you up huh well i have a word here uh, this morning and i don't know if it's going to continue on to next week because when i write out and have these messages or type them out then i underline stuff and highlight stuff and then write stuff that goes on rabbit trails (laughs) There's a lot in this message in that, so I'm not going to keep you long, and so maybe a part two to this, but um, I want to say thank you to Jessica and the team, and I know if I mention the team, I'll forget somebody, but all the ladies that helped, and then the ladies that preached. How many ladies were there during the midst of the storm? Let me see your hand. Okay, so that storm came like a wall, and uh, you know things were shaken, but the building held, And I think it uh, uh, was Chris uh, Wagner was preaching, when it hit. And she said, I didn't hear anything. (laughs) So we were out monitoring and everything, and and, uh, everything was, you know, this is a steel manufactured building. Come on, somebody. And and so it's not a stick build. So uh, we're thankful that it stood. But I know a lot of people had damage and and, uh, some houses and a lot of flooding, but We're just thankful everything was was well here. Thank God for that. Can you say amen? Amen. Incidentally, if you're wondering about where do you go, if there's a storm, you go in the hallways and you close the doors and you stay in the hallways. So now you know, I made an announcement. That's the fallout place. Now you know, but we'll pass more information and security team on that as as we continue on. Well, let's take a moment and pray and uh, ask for God's blessing over today. Heavenly Father, I humble myself before you. I recognize that in and of myself, I have nothing good to say, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, I ask that you speak through me. Give to your people what they need here now in this moment. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. This background slide's a little different. It's the Helix Nebula, or it's called the Eye of God. The eye of God. And I want to talk to you about the God who sees you. The God who sees you. His name is Elroy. Some of you go, El who? It's Hebrew. And I want to get into that. So we'll see how far we get. But the Helix Nebula, incident my text, is Genesis chapter 16, verse 13. You can pull that up on your phones or pads. But I'll get to that in a moment. Um, This Helix Nebula, they classify it as NGC 7293 is a bright, pl- a large planetary nebula located 650 light years from Earth. In the constellation Aquarius, is one of the, it is one of the closest planetary to Earth, as well as one of the brightest with an apparent magnitude of 7.6. I don't know what that means. And an apparent size of 25 arc minutes. I looked up a little bit that, but I still don't know what that means. The nebula is visible in binoculars and easily observed in small telescopes in good conditions. Its striking appearance has earned it the nickname the Eye of God Nebula. You know, the Bible says that God sees you, He sees everything about you. Isaiah 45 12 says, I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. And I did it with my hands, the outstretch of my hand. Did you hear that? So if you would just say God span whatever, you each have a span. The heavens are just—he can just put his hand on that. So far, we can see with light uh, as far with the most powerful uh, telescopes, and they have you know the Webb telescope that's up there now, and they sent it out, and it's amazing what they're starting to see. But about thirteen to fourteen billion light years. But how many know our God is endless? He's vast. And he says this, he says that and all the stars are at my command. And one translation says that they are my army. That's interesting, the stars. And now they're actually able to detect in certain finding black holes that they actually exist, and they're able to hear noise that they're extracting from black holes, and it's quite eerie. You know when the Bible talks about outer darkness. I don't want to go there. Come on somebody. Amen. Thank God that he is the God of light. Amen. Amen. The Bible says that he sees Job 34, 21. For his eyes are on the ways of man and women and young people, teenage, it's it's everybody. And he sees all of his steps. He sees everything they do. He watches every step we take, whether good or bad. Somebody say, "Amen." oh me. And so I would say that most of us at some time or another in our spiritual walk, We've cried out for help from the Lord. Come on, somebody. But some of us, you know, we all in that moment maybe felt maybe invisible, maybe forgotten by God. Maybe right now you're in a season of feeling depressed or maybe you feel overwhelmed and wonder if God is, he's deaf to your cries. He's so far out there. He's billions of light years away. What does he care about me? During our lowest of lows and when we feel lost and one can't help but wonder, If God is blind to our circumstances and unable to follow through on the promises that we hear preached and teach and we read in the word of God. Friends, let your faith not falter. God finds lost people. Can you say amen? Amen. Luke 19.10, Jesus has come to what? He says he's come to seek and save people who are lost. We usually focus on the safe part, but he also comes to seek. To seek. It actually means in the Greek, I search for. God is searching for you. Did you hear that? God is searching. God is intent with you. God cares. He didn't just create Adam and Eve and go, see ya, arrivederci, you know what I mean? He, he was there. He walked with them daily. What kind of God cares about us like that? The true and living God, the God that created us. Now, in the Bible, a person's name is a description of his or her character. Just like the names of God, which I'm stirred about the names of God for some reason now, and perhaps maybe we'll get into a series someday, but the names of God in Scripture are various descriptions of his character in his nature. Each name of God is reflective of the nature of who God really is. And that's just what we can comprehend now, because in, in many ways he's, we'll never we'll spend all of eternity trying to comprehend God. He's incomprehensible. We know him as Elohim, uh, Elohim, creator God, our almighty God. How many have ever heard that term, Elohim? Or how about that's the Trinity, or Yahweh, Lord God, I am who I am, said that to Moses. Or how about this one, El Shaddai, God almighty, the all-sufficient one. Uh, he's uh, m- more than enough. And uh, I remember back in the 80s, Amy Grant. <laughs> Some of the older people go, mm-hmm, I mean, amen. Who? Is she on TikTok? No, I don't know. know. Does she have an Instagram? I don't have enough. But she penned a song um, that um, was written actually by Michael Carden back in 1982, and it went platinum. And it was El Shaddai, El Shaddai, the God that's more than enough. And then how many have heard Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides? Right? Don Moen, he wrote that. There's another guy. I don't know if he's on TikTok or not, but I don't even know if he's alive. (laughs) And it's my Jehovah-Jireh. Remember that one? Jehovah-Jireh. Come on. My provider. His grace is sufficient for me. For me. For me. (laughs) Come on. You got to lighten up. Amen. (laughs) I'm dating myself. I know. Some of you go, this guy's nuts. I know it. His grace is sufficient for me. But who is El Roy? Who is that? That name doesn't appear to show up in many worship songs, especially in today's day and age when we feel our most vulnerable, our most invisible, we can find hope and power in the name of God, Elroy. He's the God who sees. And it comes from the verse in Genesis, and it's the first, I think, mentioned in the Bible. There's other references, but this is like first mention. Genesis 16:13. Let me just read. So Hagar. Called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a god of seeing, for she said, "Truly here I have seen him who looks after me." Now Hagar was an Egyptian girl. She was a maid uh, servant to Sarah, Abraham's wife. And when they escaped and they went down towards Egypt, and uh, they had uh, men servants and maid servants, and but Sarah, we know how many know that she was barren. And uh, she was promised a child. Abraham, the, the angel of the Lord, spoke, said you're gonna have a, a child, and God meets, and how many of they get a little she gets a little impatient. So after ten years, some shout years. ten years. You know, we waited twenty years for this building. <laughs> and if anything, someone once told me, he said, Well, you surely are patient. <laughs> I think we are. Okay. But uh, ten years she was waiting for this child, and so so we have Hagar who is this maidservant. And so what Sarah does, now watch this, she takes matters in her own hand. Now, ladies, hear me. Don't tighten up. Don't bristle. Um, It says in Genesis 5, she takes marriage. She says, you know what? Why don't you marry Hagar and have child, and then I'll take that child, and then that'll be the child because I don't know what God, he promised something or said, but it isn't happening, right? My biological clock, I mean, she's up there in age. is ticking. So it's not happening. So, so, oh, man, Abraham. He says, okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Preaching, moving right along. And what happens is they have, she's about to have this baby. Well, while she's pregnant, uh, we see that Sarah is furious. And there's this envy, and she mistreats Hagar really, really bad to the point of where she says, get out of the house. Go in the wilderness. And she takes off. And, and, and she leaves into, to die in the wilderness without shelter or baby formula. I mean, you know, the Bible is timeless. And an angel of the Lord came. Some you just got that. Angel of the Lord came and brought direction for her life and her son Ishmael's, and they were spared. But I think about, I go back, it's actually in verse 5 in Genesis 16. This is, what, this is what Sarah says to Abraham. Now, she's the one that had the idea. <laughs> I just laughed. She said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong. I am suffering. <laughs> what does that say to me? You know what, men? We need to lead spiritually. That's, that's what it means. We need to, come on now. We need a, anything that come and said, and, and, and there is wisdom from each. That's why God gave you a spouse. Amen? But sometimes, you know, you have to say, now, now, wait a minute. Is this the Lord? He heard from the Lord that God would give Sarah a child. Right? Come on now. Right? And sometimes we just kind of, oh, oh, man, we just go along with things, you know. And they just, it's like, okay. Uh, now, you can relax, ladies, all right. But how many still with me? Say, man, oh, me. What, where is he going with this? The phrase, the God who sees, is the English translation of the Hebrew El Roy, meaning, it actually means like a shepherd. Uh, if you can envision a shepherd or Uh, one that is seeing or looking or gazing constantly. You know, spent time in the Marine Corps, and there was times that in uh, non-combat, you have to do guard duty. And sometimes, you know, early on in your rank, you wear a a chrome dome. Ryan, know what I'm talking about. You look like an idiot with this chrome dome. It's not a real helmet. It's just a fake helmet, you know? And then they give you a weapon with no ammo. (laughs) And so, like, what am I doing? And so I had to... Do guard duty, but I always took whatever I had to do really serious. And I, I remember being at Camp Lejeune there, and then we had a, it was the—it was the, uh, 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 the where the ammo was stored and the rifle and all of that uh, was there. And so he had to do guard duty there. Well, I remember this one kid, and every every uh, company platoon has one big, huge guy. His name was Kent, and Was a bodybuilder and. Everyone was supposedly scared of him, and, and uh, I got to befriend him when we lifted, and, and, but he was pretty much a dud, because he would go, do guard duty, check in, and then he'd go back and fall asleep in his rack. Well, we, <laughs> that's literally what we do. Like, I want, that guy's not going to protect my back, you know? And I remember uh, Staff Sergeant Brown, I shiver when I say his name. <laughs> He was a dark, there's light green and dark green Marines. That's all there is, light green and dark. He was a dark green Marine, and he scared the bejesus out of me. Staff Sergeant Brown, he was a little bit bigger guy, but he was, a little, you know, kind of shorter. He would walk in and bark and hair in the back with little hair. People would get out of his way. I don't know what it was about the guy. He was just like, you wouldn't want to meet Staff Sergeant Brown in the jungle, you know, during war. And he came in and said, where is Kent? What? And he, you know. Cursed the blue streak, went into the rack, flipped the guy over, flipped the rack over, and kicked him. And he had his chromed on backwards and a rifle, and he ran back out and scared. I mean, he ran that platoon, Staff Sergeant Brown. I'd think about that. But my point was is the seeing, the gazing, when you're on guard duty, if you're looking, how many have ever hunted in here? you got to be observant. you got to watch what's going on. What am I shooting at? Whatever. That's like the heart of God. The eye of God is intent on your life. I say God sees you. God sees you. Well, we see Hagar met this angel at the well near Be'erleha. And the well, it actually means the well of him that lives and sees me or the well of the vision of life. The name of God teaches us this name That God sees all and God knows all. You know, there is not one single thing, watch this, one single thing that escapes God's attention, good or bad. If you got a nasty email this week, if if you got a mean phone call or a company that's trying to rip you off, come on somebody, and you know, maybe somebody lying about you, God sees and hears everything. The eye of God is watching over you. He is the one that always sees. You can never escape his gaze for a single moment. And hearing that should convict us and comfort us at the same time, right? What do you mean by convict? If you're a deviant, come on, somebody, and you're sneaky and you're up to no good, God sees you. That should convict you. Amen. Oh, but they're often quiet in this church this morning. <laughs> But if you're walking circumspect before the Lord and you're endeavoring to serve God, even though you make mistakes, you fall, you fall forward, you get back up, you love the Lord, you should be comforted in that. God sees you. I want you to jump to the book of Nehemiah if you would. I'm getting to a point here and we'll close soon. Notice this last verse of the book of Nehemiah 1331. Nehemiah, he cries out. He says, remember me, O my God, for good. Oh, remember me this in my favor for my benefit, Lord. Wow. What is he talking about? Well, in that same chapter, verse 14, Nehemiah prayed. He says, remember me me for what I have done, my God. And don't wipe out the good things that I have done for your temple and for the worship that is held here. What did he do? He helped build the wall. He came back from the Babylonians and he helped build. He was sent and commissioned to do it. And they did that in 52 days. In other words, he helped build God's church. What are you trying to say? You know, there's a statement that's out about a political figure that says, I did that. But you <laughs> but you know what? You could say this of God. I saw that. Come on, somebody. I saw that. That's the Lord we serve. He sees everything. He sees everything. Everything. Well, Nehemiah, like most people, when they do good, they want to be noticed. Amen? We want to be noticed. I believe, though, he cared more about what God thought than what man did. But he still wanted to be remembered what he was doing. He did really care. He did care. We'll see that in a moment. There's nothing wrong with this if you have godly intentions. There's nothing wrong with it. And godly intentions in what you're doing, and here is the thing. If you really care about people, if you really care about people, if you don't, people are going to soon find that out. They will know if you care about them or not. Now, assuming that you care, I mean, you really care, not just because it's fashionable to appear concerned for those who are less fortunate, not because... You know that pretending to care is going to earn you the title of Mr. and Mrs. Nice or Mr. Or you know, Mr. Uh, and Mrs. Giving or whatever, who it may be. Not because it's a good way to get attention in the public spotlight. No, it's something deep. It's something authentic. It's something sincere. And it's real in your life. You really care. Can I get an amen? amen. <clears throat> it's being interested in what others think, how they feel, what's important to them, what they need, being sensitive to the people around you. When they need something, wanting to help, a willingness. Here's the thing: How many of you know that we are all leading in influencing someone, whether it's your family, your kids, uh, at your staff at work, you may be volunteers who you work with, employees, and and we're also being led ourselves in many ways. I am convinced that unless you really care for the people you're going to lead, you're never going to do anything meaningful except by accident. See, here's the thing. People consciousness is a definite prerequisite for good leadership. Now, if you aren't sensitive to the needs of the people you lead, how will you be able to answer those needs? Caring is a practical necessity. If you're going to do right by people, you have to be concerned about their welfare and what's going on with their life. How many hear what I'm saying? Say amen. That's why I believe Nehemiah. He could lead those people in 52 days to rebuild that wall working around the clock. That's amazing. That was an amazing feat. Yes, God was with him. Yes, did he have the favor of the Lord and the uh, the endorsement of the king? Yes, but he really cared for the people. Watch this, even to the point of getting up into their chili. You know what I mean by that? He climbed into their chili and they had intermarriages with heathen nations and they were commanded not to do that and I want you to just notice quickly, Nehemiah 13.25, and this is him speaking. And He said, I disputed with them and cursed them. <laughs> we don't want to be known and become of that as ministers of God to be cursing, but I beat some of them up. This is in the Bible. <laughs> I pulled out their hair. <laughs> we sure are in different times, right? And Then I, I made them swear to God that you will not give your daughters as wives for their sons or take their daughters as wives for your own sons or for yourselves. Different times. You know, um, I remember uh, some trips we took back in 1991 and 92. Uh, actually, I think Brad was part of it. Brad Rungi and, and some of the trips we went up to uh, the Cree Nation in uh, North Manitoba. You actually had to, to fly in and land and then drive to get to this in northern Manitoba. It's the tundra. It's way up there. And then they were the, the Inuit people. They didn't like to call Eskimos. The The Inuit. And there was areas that they would bring lumber through, you know, the ice road truckers up there. And, and so we did a couple, I did a couple of missions trips up there and uh, helped uh, build a church. And I had the experience of my life up there. It was really different and uh, wonderful people up there. Uh, but I remember a story that I heard about a missionary uh, that uh, Pastor Jake Jacobson from Thief River told me about an African-American pastor who was more like an apostle up there. I can't remember his name. There's a George Flett back in the 1820s, the 60s, uh, that was an African-American uh, minister that went up there and started a lot of churches, and it may have been him. But he, this, this apostle, uh, had like a cane, and he went up there and like cleaned house. He preached the gospel. He started churches, over 60 churches, and they loved him. But he would come in, if they got a line, he would hit him with a stick you, you know, if at church, if they were late or I don't know what. It was, it was crazy when I heard this. I said, really? I said, how did he do that? He said, he brought from chaotic to the kingdom of God. And the Christian representation we have now is solely for that one man. Some people willing to do the hard things in those difficult situations. Somebody with me say amen. amen. Nehemiah said, he said, remember me, oh my God, for the good. And God did. Why? Because God sees. God sees even the adverse, the negative. Chapter 3 records all the families that helped with the rebuilding of the wall and those that did not. Did you hear that? Yes. The, the, the Bible records those that helped and those that just came and consumed. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I said that with a smile. Nehemiah 3.5. Next to them, the Techites made repairs, but their nobles did not put their shoulders to the work of the Lord. Why? Well, the reason these nobles were not doing their fair share of the works because they were loyal to Tobiah and Sanballat and all of those guys who were the enemy of Nehemiah. And we can see this connection if you jump down in chapter six seventeen. It said, also, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah and letters of Tobiah came to them. So they were in cahoots, even in the midst of the camp. So they would not help rebuild the wall. Wow, just a few people, but it's recorded in Scripture. But we see in verse 8, we can see that the businessmen and women were helping the rebuilding of the wall. An interesting verse in in, in verse 12, we said, A man named Shalom and his daughters were working on the wall together. That's everybody, men and women. When I look back about how this building went up, and when we've had uh, uh, a call to come out to help clean or to move things or to pick trash or whatever, all the families come out, and what a blessing it is. God keeps good records. I said, God keeps good records. That should encourage you. (laughs) Amen. We had a minister, Walt Wiley, I think it was back in 2009 or 10. He has a national ministry on winning with encouragement. And he talked about this in Nehemiah, how God keeps good records and trust his faithfulness in all things. Why? Because God sees everything that you do and he is a rewarder of those. Who seek him, the Bible says. He, Hebrews 11 6 says that without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Well, Pastor, I've been faithful and I'm not seeing any rewards. I mean, I, you know, I feel like coming to church and giving my tithe and I just. I've been asking, I've been praying, I've been seeking, but it's just, a, what's, God seems like he's just blind or deaf to me. Nothing seems like it's, it's happening. And here's the thing, God sees everything good that you do and he will reward us fairly, amen? And so I thought about that, I thought, what does God reward? Very quickly, three things, we get to it very quickly. Number one, the Bible says he's the God who sees. God notices the good work that you do. First Corinthians 15, 58 says, so my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and unmovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord. for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Amen. That's. Not, you, you know what I did? I did all that. I broke my back. It's never useless. Your labor is not in vain. <clears throat> that is the useful things that you do in order to build God's kingdom. In other words, what you accomplish. What do you mean, Pastor Mike? The things that fulfill the holy ambitions that you acquire <clears throat> after coming to know the Lord. How many of you know that there's God gives you holy ambition, and it's the desire to bring God's will to pass. That is a good thing. That is a God thing in your life, and everybody has a unique, different flavor of that. Amen. You know, some people go like, "I pick up trash." I mean. I see stains on the glass I'm gonna get the Windex I'm gonna wipe it off I mean I'm always picking up paper I'm gonna hear what I'm saying if something blows in it's like we gotta get that thing straightened out I notice if there's a blown light or a light that's acting up I notice (laughs) I notice these things but people have other things that they notice they're very passionate about all these people came out what are we gonna feed them I notice that too amen Italians have to eat amen I'm trying really hard this morning (laughs) <laughs> so God notices the good work that you do. You know, there are plenty of things that can be done to help build God's kingdom. How many know that God wants people to be saved? He wants you know He wants people to be taught and to be discipled, right? That means that takes time out of your life to go maybe to have coffee or to meet with somebody or to pray with somebody or to communicate. How many with be Say amen. Whatever it is, whatever accomplishes, hear me, God's will. Whatever accomplishes God's purpose gets God's attention and God sees. Number two, quickly, God notices the help that you give to other believers, Hebrews 6.10. It says, God is fair. He won't forget what you've done and the love that you've shown for him. You helped his holy people and you continue to help them. Wow. What does that mean? The act of serving the believers, his people, his church his kingdom, his, his, his heart, what he is after. It's an act of showing love to the Father. You say, I just, want, I just want to please the Lord. I want God to know that I love him. Serve him, serve his people, serve the body of Christ. That's basically unselfish. It allows others to fulfill the holy desires that they have. And then there's the service to the believers. It, it, it binds the church together and trusting And and, and it it knits them together, whether you're an usher, a trustee, you work in the sound booth, you work with the cameras or whatever it may be, whatever it may be, uh, God sees all that. How many with me say amen? amen? You're out there, you help plant trees, you plant grass, you pick up trash. and Whatever it may be, the eye of God sees what you do. Elroy sees. He notices not only the acts that you do, but rewards those who have done it faithfully for a long time. Amen. And then finally, number three, God rewards faithfulness. God rewards faithfulness. 1 Samuel uh, 26, 23 says, The Lord rewards every man or woman for doing good and for being loyal for his righteousness and his faithfulness. In other words, he gives assurance of salvation to those who remain diligent. How many know that's huge? Remaining diligent. God rewards those who are earnest. Even if they have to pretend for a while to be earnest, he still rewards them. <clears throat> you know, in my life, you know, one of the, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. That was pretty low on the list, I think, when God gave me that gift. And I'm not very a patient person. But I've learned through the years and grown to be patient. And I've put myself in situations purposely, especially when I'm in a rush or in a hurry, to say, to breathe, to calm down. Come on, am I speaking to anybody? And to, you know, like to, to the Walmart line. And then you go, I'm going to go to this short line. And it says, new trainee. I'm like, oh, my, I'm in the, you know, and I, I've done it. I've jumped from lines to this line. And then they shut the light off. And I, I'm a, then I'm behind more people. And a, God's trying to teach me something. So where I'm at right now, unless nobody else is around and the line goes open. We're open on aisle seven. I look around. Lord, should I go? You know, I, then I just walk in, unless somebody cuts in front of me. But somebody shout patience. <laughs> Patient people follow God's instruction as they seek God. They do their duties faithfully every day. They don't really concern, you know, are they having to measure their progress, signs of success. They just simply work. They work day in and day out, knowing that what God says about his word, that he sees me. Amen. Stand with me if you would, please. In conclusion, 1 Peter four nineteen. worship team, come forward. Very powerful verse. Bible says, if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to ask you has any of you suffered for doing right? You know, I just think of just, just in the last since spring of 2020, stupid, pan, demonic, China virus, and this variant, that variant, this, that, the riots, the hatred. The, it's just, it's so much bad. I I have actually had to cut out news. I mean, I I try to stay informed, but it's so bad. I mean, it's it's so bad. And the Bible says, keep on doing what is right. What are you trying to say, Pastor Mike? If you look to your left and you don't see any good, and you look to your right and nothing's good, and you look to your left and people are not, come on, serving God and they're just giving over to their flesh, and you look to your right and people just acting like animals, you're the one that should walk right. You're the one that say, you know what? I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to be that light. I'm going to be that example. I'm going to be that one that walks circumspect. Nobody else is. Who cares if nobody else is? It's what you do. See, God is looking for men and women that'll just stand up and say, you know, like Nehemiah. uh -uh, There's a lot of harassment out there, but I got to do what's right and stay steady. Because God sees. He sees everything. I think of this. I heard this many years ago called the paradoxical commandment by kent keith he penned it in 1968 he was a 19 year old college sophomore in his booklet the silent revolution he said to change the world you have to love people even when it wasn't easy the challenge is to always do what is right and good and true even if others don't notice or appreciate it and then he summarizes this challenge on this Paradoxical Commandments and he lists 10 things. I'm going to go through them really quickly. And then says this, people are illogical, unreasonable and self-centered. Love them anyway. If you do good, people accuse you of selfish ulterior motives. Do good anyways. If you're successful, you win false friends and true enemies. Succeed anyways. The good that you do today will be forgotten tomorrow. Do good. Honesty and frankness make you vulnerable. Be honest and frank anyway. The biggest man with the biggest ideas can be shot down by the smallest man with the smallest minds. Think big anyways. (laughs) People favor underdogs, but follow only top dogs. Fight for a few underdogs anyway. What you spend years building may be destroyed overnight. Build anyway. People really need help, but may attack you if you try to help them. Help people anyway. Give the world the best you have. You'll get kicked in the teeth. Give the world the best you have anyway. Every head bowed, please. I have a prayer here as we conclude. And I want to invite all the workers to come forward as I begin this prayer. And we want to just create an atmosphere in here for you. Something maybe has spoken to you. Maybe you need the hands laid upon you prayer of agreement, whatever it may be. But I'm going to pray a prayer, prayer here of praise the Lord. It's a prayer of understanding about the God who sees you in your situation. Before I pray this prayer, I just want to challenge you here this morning. Perhaps maybe you're here this morning in attendance, or you may be watching online and you don't know Jesus. You may know of him. He may be the man outside. He may be like that star, the eye of God, far, far away. But God says, I am near to Brokenhearted. I am near to those that are crushed and bruised. God sees you. He sees your present situation. He is aware, but He's not far off. Just like Hagar, when she was out crying, an angel of the Lord showed up and she said, Of truth, you are the God that sees my plight. And they brought her to a well. She received refreshing and she went back. And Ishmael became a great nation. It's where we have the Middle East today. He would, it said he would grow up as like a wild man all of the descendants they're wealthy they're powerful they have all the black gold oil god you tr- truly did bless them he saw even this child he sees you here this morning you're here this morning you don't know jesus the first step is the step, step the bible says you to repent and believe the good news that you here this morning i want to challenge you pray with me right now if you would that you can have that assurance of salvation. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I give you my life. Now take it. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your presence. I believe you are the God that sees me. Lord, heal my past. Strengthen me today. Help me to see the bright future you have for me in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that and you meant that, we want to help you with your walk, help you grow in the things of God, and we're here for you. I'm going to conclude with a prayer, and these altar workers are here for you to minister to you, to love on you, whatever it may be. But as I finish this, you'll feel free to be dismissed. Lord God, you're the God who sees us. We feel ushered to the sidelines and forgotten by friends, family, and coworkers. I know, Lord, you're working behind the scenes. Lord, as we review over our past weeks, months, and even years, we have witnessed you working in miraculous ways. We know that you have seen us in the past when no one else did. So we can fully trust that you will continue to care for your people even when we feel We entered the darkest of valleys. Lord God, today we are reminded of the story of Hagar. She, a lowly servant, conceives a child by a man who just didn't seem to care for her. Treated poorly by a scornful wife of that man. But still, when she fled to the desert, she found hope in your promises. Lord, you care for every human being. No matter how much society has rejected them or placed no value on them. Jesus, through your example, you saw those whose society has turned a blind eye. In the same way today, we ask that you see us all, that you come alongside us in our struggles, that you grant us your peace and your strength. Remind us, Lord, of the good deeds from the past that you have done so that we may too hope in our future. I bless the people of God here today. Let them go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Keep them safe until we return again. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you.